Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 38, the third paragraph, which starts with, Some of you are thinking. Today's readers are... Rocky E. for the 12 Steps, Chris G., 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Dana M., Marie J., Matthew F., and the newcomer greeter will be Kathy G., and the host for our second unrecorded hour is Sima M. The share ID for yesterday, Monday, July 8th, the 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time, 13,124, that's 13124. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, the share code is 13,126, 13126. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who do shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Rocky E. to read the 12 steps for us. Morning, Rocky. Good morning, Penny. Can you hear me? Very well. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. This is Rocky E. from New York, compulsive overeater. Happy to do service. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to, to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, Penny. Thank you, Rocky. And now Chris G. is going to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G. in Connecticut. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from the primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. And thank you, Chris G. Now, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and pressing star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we are going to resume our study of the big book on page 38, the last paragraph, some of you are thinking, and only that paragraph we will be reading and sharing on today. And I'm going to ask Dana M. to get us started. Good morning, Dana. 
Thank you very much for your service. This is Dana M. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Some of us are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to. For we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. I am Dana M., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and for me, this paragraph is really about, it's all about identifying in. And when I was newer in recovery, it seemed to me I was more interested in identifying out than in. I'm always looking for the loophole. You know, I never ate out of the trash. I never ate two loaves of bread. I never ate spoiled food or burned food. So apparently I didn't have to do what you did if I wanted what you had, right? But somehow I made it to a highest recorded weight of 286 pounds. And no, I'm not seven feet tall. There must have been some food insanity in there somewhere, but I wasn't trying to see it. I can relate to the insanity of having gained significant amounts of weight in just a day or two, let alone a week, a month, or a year, because I know I did not know how else to deal with life. I didn't yet fully comprehend the progressive nature of this illness. Frankly, until the pain taught me, I had trouble putting two days of dieting together anymore when I used to be able to diet like a champ after a few days of jaywalking. All I thought I needed was the right diet, the right circumstances, and lots and lots of willpower. I knew myself so well, but eventually I always picked up. I've always had a job, a place to live, and people who supported me. In my disease, did I appreciate them? Not so much, but I always picked up. Despite all of the negative consequences, the lack of self-esteem, missed opportunities, stifled joy, maybe you can relate to some of this, not until I put down the food and had a spiritual experience as a result of working the steps did I have the ability, along with my higher power, to be food neutral and be over the top super happy about that miracle. Thanks to all who share on this line because my recovering fellow shares are what finally helped me to identify and so I could feel at home. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Dana M., for getting us started. And now I'm going to be taking names of people who would like to share. If you haven't shared in the last day or two and you would like to comment on this paragraph, please say your name once, and I'm going to do my best to to get all the names that are spoken down. Who Charles would like? Katie from Boston. I got Katie. Gentlemen before Katie. G. Kim G. Susan L. Kim G. Wait a minute. I've got Katie G. Kim G. There was a gentleman, I believe, before Katie. Might Charles have been me, Paula S. Charles. Hi, Charles. Okay. And J- Janice P.M. J- 
Vasa O. Kathy G. And My Kathy, we're going, to, we're going to stop there, okay? So what I have is Charles H., Katie G., Kim G., Janice P.M., Vasa O., and Kathy G. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Golden Penny. How you doing? Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, this has been, I, I like to drill down where it says some of you have been thinking. Um, that That's the problem I've been thinking, right? Like, this this right here, like, like it, it's like comparing despair. Like, so some people didn't have to get to 700 pounds, right? And we hear on this line, food and weight is not the problem. But but some of us, well, let me talk about myself. I got to 700 um, pounds of thinking. <laughs> and, and, and for me, this is the hallway between these four gentlemen um, uh, described in this paragraph. Like, just thinking, just like, you know what, my outside situation, and we're going to read about Fred, you know, uh, he had a different slant. That was his story in the first edition. Um, he thought because everything was good, you know, I know I'm jumping a gun. He thought that everything was good on the outside. You know, he had he had money. Um, he, was a, he had a nice personality, but he was an alcoholic. <clears throat> so the crazy, insane part is, if you're here right now, you don't got to go to the extremes of others. You don't have to reach to some physical uh, pinnacle to, 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 to get to the bottom, right? You could, you could be at the bottom right now spiritually, and we're going to find out more and more as, as this chapter comes to a close. This is more of the mental phenomenon. These guys were abstinent, but they made the insane – decision to pick up again, you know, and we learned, you know, uh, 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 a couple of examples ago that um, if I fail to spiritually grow, um, I'll give you a quick example. My wife, you think I'm bad. My wife, no, I love my wife, just joking, honey, but she'll find a way to destroy any new toy or device I give her. Now, I get the device to her because I want it, right? So, and they go to selfishness right there, but you know, so I got our iPhone XR, and she she had my daughter uh, FaceTime me. Hey, honey, guess where you're going to be mad, right? She said, I, I, I messed up the, uh, the iPhone XR. And and usually I'd flip and scream and all that, but you know what? You know how much things I messed up in my life? So if I want to be forgiven, i got to forgive ahead of time because it's insane to react the same way I reacted yesterday, right? And and I said, honey, it's all right. We got insurance. And uh and that's amazing. That's for me. That's spiritual growth. And and and, and this mental phenomenon, um, this crazy, insane idea, reminds me of uh, the second part of the first step. Because this this Jay Walker wasn't worried about uh, food. He was breaking his back every single every single day with just you know skipping in front of cars. And and my skipping in front of cars is making the insane idea or decision to pick up again. And just for today, I ain't beat to do that. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And next we have Katie G. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. 
What are the symptoms? Well, it's interesting that they're talking about the symptoms, right? They're not, they're not sharing the problem and this program of action. And when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, it was important for me to hear that as a woman who had been 110 pounds, who had starved and binged and purged, that I too had a seat in Compulsive in Overeaters Anonymous. That was important. But if I stay stuck on my symptoms, I'm never going to get a solution. There's no, and when I go to meetings and all I hear is symptoms, I don't, I don't get the recovery that I need. Um, it's also interesting that they use the word understanding. If you're on this line, I want you to find the book, that, the chapter in the book that says into understanding. There's not one. Um, if understanding these 12 steps was enough to keep me abstinent and, and recovered, I would have recovered right away because let's be honest, it's not complicated information. Yes, we talk about it for maybe three hours a day, but it's not complicated information. It's very straightforward. But it's also, it's all about into action, right? And so how can I identify in, well, as our previous share said, the greater aspect of my malady is this selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear. From the time I was a little girl, I felt uncomfortable in my skin. I felt like there was a hole in my soul and the only way, and that I had to fix it. And I could fix it with food and starving and being thin enough and, getting, and, and holding hostages and, and earning money and proving myself. And guess what? I had no people skills. In fact, during one of my first amends, somebody said to me, KDG, you have a lot of goals in life and you have no people skills. And I, I did a step 10 on it and was snot nose messy crying and then I started laughing because guess what? Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home. I ain't got no people skills. I've been relating to the food. I've been relating to me, right? And today, as a compulsive overeater, as a recovered compulsive overeater, I don't focus on the symptoms of what my disease was. I, um, I focus on what the problem can still be if I'm not connected to power. And as my sponsor said to me the other day when we were working through another step five, because that's what I do, the steps, um, she said to me, the problem is not all these relationships and what's going on in your life. It's you need to work on your relationship with God. And I do that by uncovering, discovering, and discarding everything that is not me and get to power. That is the point of these 12 steps. And it is a privilege to have a seat in OA. If you're underweight, overweight, and, or if your weight is whatever, guess what? You get a seat here. We all do. And guess what? We all get a shot at recovery today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Katie G. And next up is Kim G. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I have been recovered since January 2011. You know, I, I love the shares we've heard. You know, it does not fully apply, and I only have some of the symptoms. And, and that's what people are talking. That's defining my disease by my consequences, which a lot of 12-step programs have that issue. You know, I remember personally, I came into OA in 94 and 96. I got to see Joe and Charlie. Couldn't have heard a clearer message. And I walked away thinking, wow, that's really interesting information for alcoholics. But thank God I'm just a compulsive overeater. I just have to go to meetings and commit my food. 
you know, my mom's been in OA since I was 10. And when I came in in my late 20s, I thought, well, I'm so much smarter than my mother. You know, this is a 12-step program, 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'm out of here. And that was 20-something years late or earlier. So I'm really grateful to the people in my life that were more concerned with my life than hurting my feelings. You know, um, because in my humble opinion, I, I think that OA has done a really poor job of defining the problem. You know, if you don't have the problem, then you don't need the solution of step two, and you don't need the plan of actions of step three through 12. So I want to talk about what are some of those thanks for the information type of things that I heard. You know, alcoholics are different. Alcoholics just have to not drink. We have to eat. Well, the truth is that alcoholics do drink. They drink every day. They drink water. They drink soda. They drink orange juice. They do not drink alcohol. I am a compulsive overeater. I eat every single day. I do not eat my binge foods. I heard in the rooms, you know, we got to take the tiger out of the cage three times a day. What I realized now was that was dieting mentality. What I was doing was taking out my binge foods and trying to weigh and measure them. I was trying to control and enjoy my eating. As someone who's recovered, I don't take the tiger out of the cage three times a day because I don't have those binge foods at my, in my diet at all. You know, I've heard, well, you know, we're more like Gamblers Anonymous. It's just a behavior. Well, no, we have an allergy of the body. I don't think someone even in Gamblers Anonymous tries to say, well, yeah, the problem is I bet on professional sports, but if I, if I only bet on college sports, then I'm sober in, in Gamblers Anonymous. You know, I spent years in a 12-step program only working a nine-tool program. OA is a 12-step program. These tools support the steps. The tools are not the program. I heard I need to get abstinent, abstinent to work the steps, or I can work the steps to get abstinent. That totally contradicts the big book, and it totally contradicts my experience. The last one is that everyone in Overeaters Anonymous is a compulsive overeater. That's not true. We have a lot of moderate eaters, a lot of heavy eaters. If somebody can go back to foods with impunity, if somebody can not, you know, says they don't have any allergic foods, but they really get a lot out of Overeaters Anonymous, wonderful for them but they're not the real compulsive overeater. So I have to know who I am because if I know I have the problem, then suddenly the rest of the book is absolutely essential. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. And now Janice PM. Okay, thank you, um, Penny. Uh, <clears throat> this is Janice PM and I'm grateful if you could please time me. Uh, recovered. Compulsive overeater, yeah, I love the previous, there's so many examples here. Well, <clears throat> and you know, when it starts out, some of you are thinking, how do they know? How do they know that I'm thinking like this paragraph? Because that's, that was me. You know, that's how I thought. And if I'm not in spiritual condition, I'll start thinking like that. But anyway, how do I know that? How do they know that? Because they recovered. They thought like this. And they're telling us, you know, if you're like this and you're thinking like this, but if you notice, I'm just going to go over the paragraph. Yeah, you know, they tell us this. I, when I came in, I was comparing. Of course I was comparing because I didn't want to be one of you. I wanted to compare myself right out of the, the program. And, yes, I did compare with diabetes, with uh, the behaviors of gambling and other things besides um, eating, and uh, oh, I didn't do all that. I didn't show up. I didn't do this. I wasn't thin. I wasn't too thin. I was too fat. 
It didn't matter. I tried all kinds of excuses. And so they know this. And when they write, we have met, we have um, admitted some, see, some of these symptoms. So I'm saying, my experience, I have some of them, but I haven't lost my job and I haven't lost my business and I haven't lost my husband and I'm managing quite well, thank you. But you see, I wasn't, my life was unmanageable by me, especially with certain foods. That's the only thing, well, not the only thing, but one of the biggest things that I couldn't manage. So you see, uh, and it's, there's so many buts, and but I haven't gone that far. Nor another comparison word. Um, you know, I, I understand it so well. I know the reality of the body. I know I could recite, you know, the steps. Well, that didn't transform me. All knowledge, information does not produce transformation. And of course, I thought it did. Well, I know this. So I thought I, you know, I didn't have to lose everything. I didn't. And you know, it's so true. And this disease lies to me. That's why I was so arrogant, so prideful, because I believed, you know, I was so self-deceived. I don't have to lose everything. Um, because I didn't, and I still became a compulsive overeater. And, you know, if I can see, like, I see the truth today. I really do. I see the truth about my binge foods, about my behaviors. Then I'm sane for today. If I can't see the truth, then I'm insane. And uh, and that's, that's that. And I'm going to pass. Thanks. Good timing, Janice. Thank you so much, Janice PM. And now, Vasa O, it's your turn. Yes, Vasa. thank you, Penny. There you are. Yes. yes, thank you for your service, Penny. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's a good paragraph. I am. Um, this was my last stop coming to Overeaters Anonymous, the big book, the 12 steps. Uh, and I heard what I needed to hear because the food was just going to take me down. Uh, I did not, it says here, we have not lost everything in life through drinking. For me, it was through eating, yet it's by the grace of God because uh, I came just in time. You know, I was much young. Well, I thought I was really old. I was 41 years old when I came in recovery. And uh, I I did not want to die. I had a child, three-year-old child. I needed to raise and two older children, they're teenagers. There was a big space between them. And I remember saying, who's going to take care of this child? You know, I'm going to die. And uh, I did not reach, I thought I had to be really obese. I had read in Dear Abby years before that, you know, something about uh, coming to Overeaters Anonymous. There was writing, somebody wrote a letter. And I remember saying, well, I haven't reached to that point yet. Maybe I was like maybe 10 or 15 pounds overweight by then. But it was getting progressive over the years. And somehow at that time, I thought I needed to be obese. Well, I was getting there gradually. 
you know, but I tried to control the food. So I was like maybe 30, 35 pounds overweight, but I'm only 5'1". So it was progressive. And it's, I'm just so, so grateful. This was the last stop, and this is the only thing that has worked for me over the years after trying to put the food down for 25 years. And I needed to surrender, and I was ready and willing to surrender with the food, with my life and my will. I was a little afraid. I, I, I had a lot of trust. Just, I'll wrap it up. And I'm just so grateful. Just take the act, put the food down, take the action, and do the rest of the steps the way they laid out in the big book. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And next we have Kathy G. Kathy? Thanks, Penny. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Illinois. Well, if you are one of the 400 people on the line today who is thinking to yourself, well, you know, I don't know if what they're talking about fully applies to me. I am going to encourage you to think about today what does apply to you. Because as we go on in the lines, it says, you know, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did. I would like you to consider the word yet right there. Because in my experience, this is a progressive illness. And I did things in this illness that I could not have imagined, you know, when I first got into bulimia, let's say. I had no idea that I would not be able to stop someday if I wanted to. And now, by the grace of God, I'm coming up on 29 years without that behavior. And that's a complete miracle. I'm so grateful for this program. Um, One other line that jumped out at me was that, They said, we have not lost everything in life. And you might be thinking this through. I haven't lost everything in life through overeating or bulimia or anorexia, whatever. But how about what you have lost? How about what I lost? How about the time that I lost? The potential, the relationships, the money, the respect of the respect from others and the respect of myself. Uh, maybe even most importantly. And I just want to offer, you know, 12 steps here. That's what we're offering in this meeting. We're offering a 12-step solution. And like some have said, it's clear, it's concise, it's simple. And let's not get caught up in arguing about what we do or don't have in common. We're here because of the common experience of pain or we wouldn't be on this line and there is a solution you know we're always looking as addicts for the easier softer way but it's not going to work but these 12 steps do and today as a result of having worked them as written in the book I have a day ahead of me and I know I'm not going to waste time today eating food I don't need. I'm going to fulfill my potential today. I'm in relationships that are growing and are good and I have respect for myself and from others. It's such a gift and it's there for you if you grab it and if you do the work. So thanks so much for your service, Penny, and I hope you all have a great day. I pass.
Thank you, Kathy G. Penny, star one to unmute. Thanks, Leah. Um, what I was saying is before I take more names, I want to remind folks that we are on page 38 this morning, the last paragraph, and um, it starts with some of you may be thinking. So who else would like to share? Please give me your name. Amy G. Now, there were two before Amy G. Could I hear those names again? Right Russ? Leia. Is it Lynn? Leia S. Leia S. This is Raquel. Raquel. Leia M. Laura Z and Leia M. That's, that's going to be it for now. Laura Z and Leia M. And here's the lineup that I have now. We have Russ M, Leia S. Amy G, Raquel E, Maura Z, and Leah M. Russ, your turn. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, fellas. Russ M, Republican Postal Reader outside of Philly. When I read this part of the big book, this paragraph, it's like, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a smart guy. You know, I got it all figured out. And, you know, I was just, you know, I would just eat on the weekends, you know? You know, I wasn't an addict. You know, this was my thinking for my whole life, you know? And I knew it all. And I knew it all. And I, you know, I have friends in recovery. And, you know, that's not for me. That's for people that are weak. You know, that thought prevailed. That mindset prevailed for so long. And you know what? I lost everything with the exception of my family. I lost everything to this BS dreaded disease because of, because of my head, because of my thinking, because of my craziness. So yeah, you know, it may not apply to some, but it sure does apply to me. And I'm a compulsive eater and I have to, I have to admit that. But you know what the blessing of the whole thing is? You know what the cool thing is? Is that when I was ripped apart and everything was stolen from me, I had no other way. I had no other alternative except God in these 12 steps. And really, just like the big book says, God's done for me what I couldn't do for myself, and I wouldn't want another way of life. So I had to accept, and I got to realize that I'm just a bottom barrel addict. That's who the hell I am. And if it's not for God and these 12 steps and plenty of these, these people on, the, on his line, I'd be nowhere. I'd have nothing. So that's what this paragraph means to me. You know, I fought that for 30 years with my attitude. And, and guess what? The whole time, this insidious disease was stealing everything from me. So I can't dabble. There's no degree to the left or degree to the right of having an easier, softer way, man. I have nothing if I don't have this program, and that leads me to God. If I don't have God, I got umgats. In Sicilian, umgats, that means nothing. So I love you guys. You have a beautiful day. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Russ. We love you, too. Now, Leah asks, and she'll be followed by Amy G. Leah? 
Thank you so much, Penny. Good morning, everybody. Leah S. back in Brooklyn again. Oh, very grateful. Um, after what you have told us, is that such things cannot happen again. Wow. Denial, denial, denial. That's what it is. That's what I have been doing all the time. And um, I, I thought I was going to listen very closely to these meetings, and I was told this is a study. This is not just something that you that you that you're like, you know, uh, philosophy or whatever. You got to study. So I'm going to study you and every meeting, and it's going to be okay. I'm going to, I don't intend to go back to that, that, that mantra. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. Oh, my God. But you know what? This is personal. This is now Leah. I had to concede to my innermost self entirely. And this is not just talk. This is really doing it. You know, what are you playing around with, Leah? Everyone that you really loved, and this is the truth, oh my goodness, that I really loved, I nursed to death because of this disease, because of what the results of these disease. And, and do, I, do I kid myself? Who am I? And I needed to get rid of that bigotry. I needed to understand. I needed to humble myself and to honestly surrender with the food first entirely so that my thinking could not be clogged it needs to be honest and to goodness truth and it needs to finally understand it's not me running this world absolutely nothing and through the grace of god that i was able to go through all that abuse that i did to my body thank you for letting me share i pass thank you leah s Amy G, it's your turn. Thank you, Penny C. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did. Boy, I think what was scarier for me is that, you know, uh, I relate to the jaywalker. I relate to the whiskey and the milk. I, you know, I am the jaywalker. How, how can I walk in the crosswalk safely? Because I had I had all those symptoms. I went to those extremes as a bulimic, an anorexic, a drug addict, alcoholic. I did it all. I'm like a, a compulsive overeater that's a you know a drunk out on the street with a bottle in the bag. And yet, I still said to myself, "Okay, I got those symptoms. I went to those extremes. Yeah, that's me. But you know what? Thanks for the information." This is the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease because until I understood the exact nature of my disease, I did not understand about that queer mental twist. I did not understand that it was my thinking that preceded my behavior and that my thinking was insane. And we talked about this earlier in the big book, that once this type of thinking and the real compulsive overeater is established, we have placed ourselves beyond human aid. So I was willing to admit that I had those behaviors and I acted in such a way, but I didn't understand. I thought knowledge and willpower. Thank you very much. I got it. And that's how I spent my first five years in Overeaters Anonymous in compulsive overeating, on and off, abstinence, torture. 
because I didn't understand the true nature of what was going on up in between my ears and that I needed a power greater than myself to restore myself to sanity. You know, they were talking about denial in one of the previous shares, the three Ds of the disease, denial, delusion, and defiance, not understanding that my thinking was going to kill me. And thank God for this program and for others who are willing to hang in there with me and constantly tell me and show me and to say to keep coming back and to work these steps, to put the food down and to work these steps so that my mind could be cleared enough to understand what was the true nature of my powerlessness so that I could admit my powerlessness, not just admit to the behavior and to the symptoms, but to admit to my powerlessness because of myself, I could not fix myself of this disease. I needed a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. Of myself, I would never be able to stop putting my binge foods in my mouth. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Raquel E., are you there? Hello. Hello. Hi. We can hear you, Raquel. Go ahead. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much. Hello to all my wonderful family there and to you, dear Tennessee, our own. So, boy, my news uh, are good and bad. The good news is that I get to be part of this family and that when somebody is in trouble, uh, I'm able to take uh uh, to take to a place we have now, we don't have a treatment center for overeaters, but there is a place up north that uh, from Jerusalem that is a raw food place where there is really wonderful, wonderful programs of uh, of good nutrition and so on. But it's raw food. There is no fish or or meat or um, or or dairy and not bread. So it's pretty close to what we do. And I had the, the good uh, fortune and opportunity to take already a couple of people up there. Uh, it's not too, too expensive by the Lake of Galilee, wonderful view and all. The only problem is that some of their, they, they replace the protein with things that are my binge foods. It's all kinds of seeds that crackle and make they make all kinds of crackles out of it. I don't want to go into details, but I I I thought that maybe I could do it by now, you know. And for a while, how did Bill say the goose hung high? And I came home and I allowed myself to bring into the house a little bit of uh, walnuts and and uh, almonds and um, and almonds and what and I'm sprouting things and wonderful wonderful. Well, guess what? I can't have those things. I can't. And I thought that, that that was okay because I have by by December I will have 11 years of clean abstinence, really speaking, Stan, with God's grace and your help. Wow, Penny, dear, I did not set my timer. Please tell me when. So um, I just picked up a package. I bought some things from there. And I thought that it's okay. I just now brought it home like a half an hour ago. And I'm not going to open that package. I called the neighbor. I'm not too shy about admitting my problem. I had a couple of young girls uh, renting in this building in one of the apartments. And two of them are very good friends of mine. One is even working with alcoholics. And I called them up and I said, hey, one of you better be here and take this package up to you. 
because there are some pamphlets in there that I want. There are some other good things that you can have. But I'm not going to open the package by myself because I've learned my lesson. Because last night, I think I ate about, um, it's, it's about 200 grams, which is like um, four, eight ounces or so of, um, of um, almonds. And that's none of my business. And I have a bad stomach and bad stuff. And I, I, I hope I learned my lesson. Thank you so much for letting me take my seat and, and be with you and know that you, you'll all be rooting for me. That I get back on the street, I cannot, I cannot handle this. And if I go back there, I'll do just the juicing with them, which I started doing at home too. And I love you all and have a wonderful recovery. And thanks for being there for me. And I pass. Thank you, Kelly, and you were right on time. Thank you so much. And now Maura Z and then Leah M. Maura. Good morning, Penny C. Thanks so much for your service. Maura Z recovered by God's grace and mercy in Virginia. Starting my timer. I love this paragraph because, you know, I can just see myself being one of these guys. Being a smart ass, saying, you know, yeah, because I probably was when I first came in. I probably did. I probably thought, well, my gosh, look at, look at that person. She must weigh 500 pounds. I don't weigh 500 pounds. Listen to these people. They can't eat this and they can't eat that. Well, I can eat those things. I don't have a problem with those things. Delusion. Denial. Don't even know I'm lying to myself. This is the thoughts. These are the thoughts that came through my mind before I went in to OA, while I was in OA, probably for the first 14 years in OA. Because I've never really taken step one. I always compared myself. You guys are bad off, man. I'm sorry for you, you know. And you know what else I did? I contemplated bulimia. But thankfully, that lasted for about 20 nanoseconds when I realized I hate purging. Couldn't do it. And why would I waste all that good food? But this is the sick mind of a, of a compulsive overeater. This is the comparing out that I did. This is not the identifying in. I can so easily picture myself saying, Thanks for the information. See ya, suckers. I'm gone. Yeah, I was gone. I was gone for years. Luckily, my butt never left the rooms. That was a saving grace. I know that to be true for me. I never left the rooms. Not physically, at least. I'll put it that way. Not physically. But my mind was always somewhere else. And always, always comparing out. I can do this. Well, so there I am, a year recovered after finding this phenomenal meeting. And suddenly it occurs to me that I can have no sugar-added frozen yogurt. And I wasn't thinking I was any too smart because, you know what, I didn't share that information with my sponsor. I didn't share it with anybody. I wasn't doing steps 10 and 11 on a daily basis. I was running my own show again, and that's what happens. Thankfully today, I am not running this girl's life. God is, and I'm so grateful to him 
And I got to him by working the 12 steps, one day at a time, and hanging around with you guys. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Marla Z. And Leah M. Good morning. Thank you. Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. You know, I was uh, 19 years of age when I came into OA. I read The Jaywalker. I had already been tortured for years by this illness. Most of my life, <laughs> uh, starting at the age of four, I was being, uh, you know, chasing the tail of the dragon of this addiction. Um, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't exactly ready to do uh, what the book was instructing me to do. I thought I could handle it. I thought I had more knowledge. I could handle it. Well, the disease kept turning the heat up and heat up and heat up, and the vice around my neck was just being cranked, that noose. Uh, just tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. It wasn't information, uh, you know, that, that brought me to uh, recovery. It was the pain. Pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change in someone like me because my disease always got worse. It never got better. It was cunning, baffling, and powerful until I was just, you know, crushed by this illness. Um, you know, the big book makes it clear it's not being in jail, it's not car wrecks, it's not high weights, it's not low weights that matter. It doesn't matter whether you're a low bottom like I was or a high bottom like you might hear on the line. What makes a real compulsive overeater? Real compulsive overeater, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. I am bodily and mentally different than other people. When I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that when I took them in, it wasn't just a taste sensation. My whole body was triggered, and I wanted more and more and more of that substance. And when I let go of those substances and put them down, <laughs> the obsession of the mind reared its head and compelled me to pick up that first bite despite all the consequences that I knew would occur, you know, and, and, the, and the disease just had to keep turning the heat up. And, you know, I see that in my work with, over, with people over three decades in this, in, this, uh, in this fellowship. You know, we say they come in by the hundreds and they leave by the 99s. Why do we defy, delay, and deny and resist, you know, recovery? It's the only disease known to man where the sufferer has no enthusiasm to be released from this grip. You know, you're given the opportunity to rest this illness and given a whole new life, and yet a compulsive overeater, and I was one, against, you know, all evidence, persistent saying, I'm not really like that, therefore I don't really need to do those kind of things. And you know what? That's addiction. That's what addiction is all about. So that's why the big book says we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive overeaters, and that's the first step, and willingness is a one-person job. The big book doesn't pronounce anyone an alcoholic or compulsive overeater. In fact, it invites you to drink. Keep drinking. Keep eating. Sure, go ahead. And when you're through, and when you're convinced, and when you're in enough pain, then you'll come ready. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah And we have five minutes left, actually four now. Um, who would like to take the last spot, or um, we could have two. Linda D. from Connecticut. Jason. Margo P. Tina S. Wait, who is after Linda D? Margo P. Tina S. Excuse me, I just, all I have, we have time for is whoever was after Linda D. Jason K. Margo P. 
Margo. Is it Margo? Margo P. Okay. Two minutes each, if you can do that. Linda D., can you do that? Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm astonished and grateful to be a part of this wonderful fellowship to be recovered for a little over five and a half years. It's a remarkable thing. The thing that I, I, I was lucky, it sounds funny, but it's true, I was crushed, and I came into this fellowship, and the point is that um, when I heard the word God, that's what stopped me. I was too polite to say it, but I didn't want to hear that stuff, because I knew it wasn't real. I was too smart for that. But uh, I was in tremendous uh tremendous pain so I went along and at that time I went along with the steps the big book in this small central Connecticut community and um, I got up to a ninth step and then I faltered and all the rest is you know all the crap that people go through even when they get into the program unless they have all the information and so at the moment, at this precise moment, I have the information. I don't know what I'm doing about today. So it doesn't matter that I'm smart or I'm not smart. And none of that matters. It matters if I'm guided by the divine. That is what matters. Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the divine God is real. And stick around, because those steps, and I will too, those steps through the big book with all of your help, plus the tools, uh, are giving me a life second to none. And that's complete with problems that would drive you nuts. But they're not going to, because I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, surrender. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Margot? Good morning, it's Mark of P, Florida. I'm grateful to be on this call. Thank you, everyone, for sharing the honesty of this program, the big book. And um, I haven't shared for a while on this line, and I keep like I need to be part of the hearing of the information of the big book and listen to the paragraph that I have the symptoms of the disease. And I'm sitting here, no, I don't have the disease. And it took me a while, a long time really two years to understand this big book and understand that I have the disease that I belong here and to understand the language of this big book because there's so much information and then when everyone is sharing, it's like they're yelling, but I say, are you, you going to get it? Everybody's yelling at you. You hear it, you hear it. <laughs> and I'm grateful to hear that because it's like I, I was raised at home being a lot of yelling and I didn't get it. It was a lot of yell, yell at home. But I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm grateful to be on this call because that's why I have to deceive as an addict as I am. And I have to learn the big book and be part of the, of, the, of the fellowship. And I have a grateful sponsor, you know, that she puts me on chat, um, working on the step seven. I am so grateful to have her in my life. How she really, really works me and drills me in, in ways what I need to do to get in more in recovery. So, yes, I, I say yes, and some, I do have that thinking. I have a thinking that I'm in denial. No, I don't have this disease. And so, and, and to be here, I just need to continue listening and learning. 
Thank you. This I'll pass. Thank you, Margot. And thank, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry that more people could not have shared. I'm back. Um, the people who still wanted to share, we have a second hour coming up uh, after this meeting, so um, please stay with us for that second hour. The share ID for today, uh, Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, is 13,129. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, and Marie J. is going to do that for us. Thank you. This is Marie J., recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.